I love talking with practitioners. I think it's so important to actually get out into the field and talk with people who are doing stuff. Before we begin, I want you to right now, please subscribe on YouTube. Our first guest is Christopher Hauser, who is the Chief Information Officer at, at Signature Healthcare. Hey, Chris, how are you? And uh, welcome. This is your first time at CSO Talk, and I'm thrilled you're here. Thank you, Michael. Appreciate it. And uh, thanks for asking me to join you this afternoon. So, Chris, uh, please tell us about Signature Healthcare and tell us about your role there. Yeah, Signature Healthcare is a leading provider of long-term care, short-term care, uh, managing single or skilled nursing facilities, assisted living facilities, rehab, home health, and cognitive care. So we operate in 10 states. Uh, we have 115 locations, and we support 17,000 stakeholders and team members across the organization. Okay, so it's it's a it's a large organization, and uh, so and you're you're the CIO. Yeah, CIO. So anything that touches the blue cable, you know, as I've said before, um, full spectrum of IT. Um, if you think of data center, you think of end user computing, facility computing, uh, anything that touches the CNAs or, or stakeholders in the field. And you think of data analytics, you think of social media, digital, uh, data warehouse, anything and, and everything within IT is, is under my purview. Okay, great. Um, and I'm looking forward to exploring more about that during the next 45 minutes. Our second guest has been on CXO Talk before, and it is Isaac Sokolik, who everybody knows as Star CIO. Isaac, welcome back to CXO Talk. Michael, thank you for having me again. I'm glad to be here. I can't wait to have this conversation with Chris about the CIO strategy. So, so Isaac, tell us about uh, your book. So the book has been out for uh, about a year now. It's called Driving Digital, The Leader's Guide to Business Transformation Through Technology. I really wrote the book over my 10 years of being a CIO and 10 years prior to that being a CTO. Tell us, when we, when we think about CIO strategy, what are we actually talking about? So today we're talking about not just keeping the lights on and keeping things stable. We're, we're also not just talking about process improvement and cost reduction. Uh, we're talking about growth. Uh, we're talking about aiming at new markets and improving customer experiences so that our businesses can be competitive over the next five years. We know that businesses that are falling behind are susceptible to being disruptive and that's happening across industries. We know that we need to service our customers internal uh, and external with more data and analytics and increasingly more automation and artificial intelligence. And the CIO strategy needs to look at both short-term and long-term opportunities around that and craft a strategy and a program and an execution plan around that. Christopher, when Isaac talks about customer experience and things things like that, it's kind of shifting away from a pure technology focus. And I wonder what is your experience at Signature Healthcare and how does that play out in the healthcare world? Yes, I think if you look at customer experience internally, we've tried to focus that in, in areas of internal and external. So we look at our internal users, whether that's HR, whether that's marketing, whether that's legal, all the way down to the CNAs on the floor taking care of our residents and, and patients at the facilities. 
When you look external, you're looking more toward the patient side or the resident side, coupled with their families. So looking at all those angles, how do, how do we take IT and apply those changes or, or updates uh, to, to those users or uh, enhance the IT? I'd also say that if, if you look at technology as a whole, consumerism of technology, the experience and, and what they expect from, from, from that technology is the same as it's internal or external. So we're trying to we're trying to reduce turnover within staff right now. Competitive is high for or competition is high for um, CNAs workforce in the field. So how do we bring technology to their hands to make their jobs easier day to day to then take care of our residents and increase that experience as well? And if you look at residents, how do we then take care of them and their their facility, whether it's the bedside, whether it's, um, you know, at home, home health or rehab? How do we then take the technology and apply it to them as well to increase their experience? Isaac, so it seems like this is really the the common thread, not just in healthcare, but across industries. That's the that's the new role of the CIOs: growth and experience. I, I don't think you can separate those two. I mean, you know, what made our businesses successful to date um, is really something that's going to you know have its half life in months and short numbers of years. You know, there's a higher level of expectations from our, our customers, whatever industry you're in. Um, we have, you know, low, lower loyalty. We have easier switching costs. We have higher expectations. And, you know, Chris, I'm, I'm, I'm interested in an example, right? So I, I come visit one of your, your facilities. I'm interested in, you know, maybe I have a family member there. What's different today than maybe a couple, just a couple of years ago in improving family or patient experience? So I think it's, it's again, the technology that we have in our hands. It's the mobility, having uh, uh, patient charts, medical records, updates in the palm of the hand of, of the uh, CNA, the nurse, the practitioner, and having that interaction with the, the family member, the caretaker, uh, real time, right? Being able to exchange data, take action real time. In the past, it was paper charts. It still is prevalent within, within industry, uh, paper charts. So we're trying to go from a paperless environment to a mobility uh, strategy within our facilities and across those locations. Yeah, and that, that's a common theme, right? Let's leave paper behind. Let's get more mobile. Let's put real-time information in front of people. Uh, let's make sure it, it's accurate. Let's you know, think about the experience of somebody who's here for a long term. And let's think about somebody who's just coming into a facility for the first time and doesn't even know their way around, right? Right, absolutely. Chris, to to what extent are you uh, focused on these experience issues, whether it's internally or externally, versus maintaining technology? But it's, it's a careful balance. So when I first started, we, you know, seven, eight months ago, we were focused primarily on IT, uh, keeping the lights on, right? So um, end user requests, I need a new computer, I need a new phone, the system's down, it's broke, right? So moving away from that, keeping the email system up and running, keeping the network up, that's standard operating procedure. So that's our job regardless. So the shift in, in reshaping our team internal to me, to me, to be more business focused when it comes to a business relationship management approach. We have built a, a project management office. We've put centers of excellence within our groups, uh, focused in the network, end user compute, uh, project management, um, security, and then as, as well as uh, data center and, and, tip, and your general network uh, support. I think that's really interesting. So, so 
to deliver customer experience is not just about, it's not just about having good intentions, which we all have, but it's actually building the, the, the processes and the technical infrastructure and the, the people organizational infrastructure as well. Absolutely. And I think one thing I, I left out is we've taken an approach, we've, we've started a uh, monthly tech talk Thursday. So I bring my IT leaders, my IT group, and we talk about what are problems in, in our industry, but then what are problems in our facilities and across the business? And how do we look at that proactively? How can we change things we're doing today to improve not just the customer experience, but operations and business operations? How can we uh, streamline and simplify uh, things we're doing with technology? So coupled with that, we have IT staff who will be going out to our locations, sitting in a corner of a hallway, and then watch the interactions from our residents, from our uh, staff members, and from family members with the technology we use. So that, that way we get a lift in the use and simplicity uh, of the technology that we're deploying. Yeah, and I, I love hearing the, those examples. I mean, I know, for example, PMOs in, in CIO organizations come and go. You know, they're in favor, they're out of favor, but when you're trying to solicit lots of ideas from the organization, uh, particularly in transformations where it really is a bottom-up exercise to hear ideas from people that are actually interacting with customers, you need a place to capture those, you need a place to vet those, you need to, you know, find exactly who's going to be impacted by things. So I really like the investment in a PMO to be able to manage those. Uh, I like that you're, you're having expressions to teach people and have people in IT particularly to learn more, right? So they can't be, you know, people in IT can't be business focused if they don't have the opportunities to learn, you know, what patient experience really means or what a doctor really needs to be successful. So putting a program like that in place and an ongoing one is really smart. Um, and then the other part of this is letting IT really go and experience what the end users are doing. You know, so much of what IT has experienced in the past has been filtered through other people and systems and, and text sent through service desk tickets. And to actually go and live the life of, a, of an end user is so important for them to think through, you know, not just what's being asked of them, but how it's going to impact them and why it's important. Um, and that creates really smart implementations when they're ready for it. Chris, so when it comes to the kind of business problems that the organization expects you as the CIO to address, can you tell us about that? I don't know that the business is coming directly to IT. I mean, for the standard things, yes. Uh, my system's down. Can we get this enhancement? Can we change this report? Those things are constant. I think what, what where we, we, we're trying to drive change is being good listeners, right? Sitting in meetings, sitting at the executive table and understanding what are we trying to solve? And it's not all directed at IT, but I go back to the turnover, the census, keeping residents in our bed or, or attracting new referrals from uh, the hospitals or physicians. How do you solve those problems? And most oftentimes business leaders are looking at those as a business problem, not an IT problem. But as I sit in those meetings, you know, I come back with ideas, solutions, and then have that dialogue to then challenge each other to come up with a solution. If IT can be 1%, 2%, or even 10 uh, of that solution that, that enables and, and moves the business forward. Isaac, what about uh, the issue of speed? Because I think every CIO is having to deal with that now as well. So overlaying speed on top of these other things that we were just talking about. 
Yeah, so let's use Chris's example, right? He has a PMO running. He's getting ideas from the organization. He's doing a lot of listening, which is really smart. I mean, you know, Netflix didn't figure out what to go market early on because consumers said, I wanted DVDs by mail. They just said, you know, we want a better experience than what we're doing at Blockbuster and we don't want to pay late fees anymore. You know, so lots of CIOs have to not only do this themselves, but get out in the field and do a lot of listening and a lot of proposing. You know, here's ideas, here's solutions, here are things that might work and uh, see what has traction, see what people start nodding their heads to um, and then start doing some prototypes because, you, you know, if you put yourself in that marketing role, and that's what I think the CIO is doing a little bit. You can't just listen and talk and shoot ideas out without having some way to execute it and come back to business users and say, what do you think of this? Do you think this is going to work? And get that feedback and put you know, a beta in front of end users and say, you know, give me some feedback how to make this work better. Because at the end of the day, you know, what we're thinking about today is based on knowledge from the last six to 18 months you know, in 12 months from now, there's going to be a whole new set of priorities and opportunities, competitor pressures and, and, and issues to deal with. So what we're learning today, we need to turn around new ideas into implementations in three, six months. You know, some of the most fastest organizations are taking applications that they're doing today and doing daily changes to it and testing these things and doing A-B studies like marketers do. Um, so I think CIOs need to have that in their toolkit and be able to really think through how to execute faster. And Isaac, I think I think what you said is is key and it's it's relevant. I mean, IT leadership is more becoming the proficient, you know, becoming proficient in all aspects of the business, whether it's marketing, whether it's HR, whether it's legal, whether it's um, advertising, whether it's you know the medical side. The, the CIO's responsibility is to become not an expert, but you have to become knowledgeable on how to apply that technology to get those wins and and put game changers from an IT standpoint into the business so that you get future growth, you get further merger acquisitions, um, scalability and flexibility, but at the same time, keeping it easy easy and simple. Yeah, so I, what I think about there, I'm wondering you know, how you go about doing this. You, you almost have to have you know, implementation ideas in hand as you're proposing these things, either platforms or partners or things that you can go do and and have those ahead of the curve a little bit so that when an idea takes traction, you have some idea of, you know, yeah, I can implement this in three months or this is a $10,000 idea or a million dollar idea. How, how are you learning about these things? So typically it's, it's just through research. It's, it's peers, other CIOs uh, across the industry in other industries as well. And in my background, I've been in several different verticals within IT and in leadership. So transportation, retail, insurance. And so bringing that background, some of that background, that experience uh, within healthcare, um, you know, IT is IT. But how you solve those problems, I think if you bring past experience and expertise, you can apply those and get wins uh, in other verticals as well. Yeah, I think that's really smart. I think there's lots of places to draw upon. You know, so, so much of, you know, people have been inside their industry focus and what is what is another hospital doing or what's another care center doing but you know some of the things that you're talking about doing are things you can borrow from retail experiences uh, from other uh, companies that are doing things that are an interactivity between coming into a center and doing things remotely and through mobile applications so 
um, uh, you know, how to make, you know, people who are servicing lots of people, I'm thinking of doctors, how to make them smarter and more efficient when they're used to doing things with pen and paper, right? And how do you get them off pen and paper and using a mobile device to put in a prescription or to read a chart? So, so much of that has, you know, direct correlation to things in other industries. And you have to invest the time to go learn what other people are doing. Absolutely. I, I want to remind everybody that we're speaking right now with Christopher Hauser, who is the chief information officer at Signature Healthcare, and with Isaac Sakolik, who is the author of the book Driving Digital, which is kind of a strategy guide for CIOs. And right now, there's a tweet chat taking place using the hashtag CXOTalk. And so you can participate and you can ask questions of our guests. And we have a question from Twitter, an interesting one, which is, uh, Christopher, what are the particular challenges of improving resident and patient care uh, in the healthcare industry, and how does IT come into play to support improving that patient experience? I, th I think the challenge is that how quick or how fast IT itself is changing, right? So technology itself, every 18 months, we're getting a refresh of new systems, new updates. How do you stay relevant in, a, in an industry where it's Medicare, Medicaid, uh, you're, you're, you're very lean, you run a very tight uh, operation when it comes to finance? So you have to be creative on solutions sometimes when you come back uh, to present those to senior leadership. You're not always going to be able to go out and build a spaceship that's going to go to NASA. You have to come back and put different solutions, different ideas together to meet those objectives and those goals. So there's a, uh, so there's a process of gaining buy-in, but how do you reconcile that with that, that need for speed that Isaac was just talking about and that you were talking about? The speed piece comes back to, I think, the priority and, and the conversations with the business are, are what they're wanting and what their needs are, is the collective group of leadership across the business all on the same page with that direction, that momentum, and is, is it a solve that we have to provide? Is it a nice to have or a have to have? And so having those conversations with senior leadership, just not IT making those decisions, but having business leaders help make those decisions, that's kind of where I'm stepping back within my team. We're, bring, we're, we're looked at more as internal consultants. And then bringing those solutions as we see them to the business leaders to have them make the decisions and not just solely on IT. Yeah, I, I, you know, just to add to that, I think, you know, the speed comes from what Chris is describing and that we often call channeling an MVP, a, a minimal viable product, something that you can put in front of end users and iterate over and get smarter. And I'd contrast that to some of the projects that we've done in the past where, you know, end users and stakeholders want you know, a 400 page document delivered and, you know, IT is trying to respond to a, you know, a very long list of requirements and then people, you know, scratch their head and wonder why it's taking months and months of time to do the execution. So the ability to have a discussion about what's really required, you know, what can we iterate on, you know, showing end users results through an agile process and giving them something to look at every couple of weeks and to respond to. I mean, I think that's the speed factor. I think, you know, pivoting because a new priority or issue has come up and being able to reprioritize something, I think that's, you know, a function of the PMO. 
I also think, you know, to something Chris was saying, every industry has its constraints, you know, in medical, it's margins dictated um, through Medicare and Medicaid. It's being HIPAA compliant. It's recognizing that it's an industry that's had, you know, a long history and you can't just change the experience for doctors overnight. Um, You have to nurture that change with them. Um, It's also recognizing that, you know, when a family or a patient's in, they're not at their best moments, you know, and how do you make it easy and simple for them to go through what is often a a difficult period for themselves. So I think all those play in uh, into how you design experiences and how do you slowly transition users from how they operate today to something that's more automated and smarter. But I think the speed is about really coming up with ideas that you can execute on and then iterating over them and getting feedback to make them smarter. Chris, you know, I was very intrigued by something you said a moment ago, which is that speed is that that in order to have speed, it demands, it requires close alignment between IT and the underlying business goal. So Isaac was just talking about uh, tactical elements of how you get there, but you're saying that in order for any of that to work, IT's got to be on the re- on the same page with with business goals in the first place. No, absolutely. I think the, the alignments are are you know if you think of strategy, IT typically follows business strategy or tries to um, compensate on 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 the strategy of where the business is going. That's often oftentimes in the past, IT would go off and build solutions, build systems half baked or what were perceived as half baked. Come back to the business and say, this is what we thought we heard, and deliver on what what wasn't supposed to be, or what wasn't, what was not intended to be the outcome. So delivering half-baked solutions, then having to go back and rework uh, the complete solution, you know, time, money, resources add up. So having the business a part of that journey or through those conversations, uh, through the through the selection process, through the requirement process, through the build process, and those iterations um, are definitely needed and definitely required. So maybe Chris, maybe let's put that to a practical example. You've you've been in the organization for a few months. You've done, you know, some some new rollouts. You, you're you're looking at new platforms. How do you make it into a business aligned project and not just an IT project? So I think a, a great example of that is one we're going through right now, and that's our EMR. So we're going through and doing an EMR refresh, right? So in the past life, when we when we built the current EMR. It was in-house built. We had flexibility, kind of an open source solution. We took business requirements of the business to build this EMR. Well, now that um, it's five, six years later, maintaining, updating, creating, the flex or the flexibility there was that we could build whatever we wanted. However, we weren't keeping pace with the industry. So we had a lot of shortcomings, good, bad, or indifferent, because we were focused on things that were impacting to us, not necessarily the industry. And so as we look for this new solution, instead of IT coming to the table saying, hey, this is, this is the solution, we have brought a task force or, or, or a committee in um, from all different business units, units and leadership across uh, the organization to help make this decision. So everything from monthly meetings to reoccurring weekly meetings, um, and then having the vendors come in kind of through an, an RFP process, we've had two or three vendors come in uh, to give us that review. And the business was in all those meetings uh, from those respective uh, departments and, and groups. Yeah, so a couple things there worth reflecting on, right? Number one, you know, this idea of taking something that was built in a proprietary way three, five, seven years ago, 
you know, a lot of businesses find that that no longer makes sense, that there are platforms that are extendable, that are more feature rich, that are more industry standard, that are plugged into ecosystems and things like that are really what they're looking for. And then, you know, taking that idea and that need and saying, we're going to partner with the business on a selection process um, and bring vendors in and do this collaboratively and together is so important, particularly when looking at key platforms that are running the business. So really the, the, the thing that you're both kind of honing in on is this is, is finding whatever way is possible in order to have closer, closer ties on a more frequent basis with the business before in the definition of projects, during the running of those projects, at every step along the way. That seems to be where this is all going. Uh, absolutely, I think you hit it, you hit it uh, on point with the, the business has to see value in IT, right? In the past, IT was it was thought of a operational organization, meaning go, go make sure the servers are up in the data center, make sure the applications are up and running, we don't have downtime, we're meeting five nines. If, I, if that's all I came back to the business in today's environment, I would be surpassed, right? I've got to come back and bring my team, the collective team, and bring solutions for the future, right? What, what are we going to do to solve real business problems? And, and I think that with that, the business, the business wants you to then execute and deliver when you come with those solutions. So you've got to, you've got to um, come with trust and you've got to come with um, get, being able to get things done in, in those moments of time. So Chris, maybe talk about that in the context of emerging technologies and, and things that, you know, perhaps are some of your ideas that you're bringing to the organization around business intelligence or artificial intelligence, where, you know, there's, you know, the technology is a little bit emerging and, and you still want to get that alignment on what ideas to focus on. Yes, I think on the the AI side, we're looking more from being innovative. What can we do with AI? Everything from predictive analytics uh, machine learning or, or um, bringing that to understand if a patient or a resident in our facility, um, if Susie in suite X or Y has a continuous fall, can we start to track that right through data, through the EMR? Can we then be proactive with that data across the business to prevent that fall or take the action that's needed to do that? So um, in that capacity, um, AI, we're looking at that area. We're also looking at AI from an Alexa or from a, um, a interaction with, can we bring that into facility to then enhance the, the uh, patient experience or the resident experience? Can we use it for memory care? Can we use it for dementia? Can we use it for games, entertainment? So we haven't rolled it out completely, but we are looking at AI in that capacity as well. I'd say for the data warehouse, data is, is key. It's critical for the operation of our business and, and, and movement forward. So uh, I've got a partner in the business who uh, is in informatics so on the backside, we're looking at refreshing our data warehouse um, across several different uh, databases uh, and environments. So we have three to four different EMRs because we have different business operations. We have the skilled nursing, we have the rehab, and then we have um, med partners uh, in our business. And each one of those have had their own EMR. As we're switching to the continuum of care to, to take a resident or a patient from the hospital, the physician referral, all the way through rehab, all the way through to home health and then discharge, we want to make sure we see that patient, their journey all the way through and be able to track or update or report on that as needed. So it's bringing that understanding the data warehouse today is, I don't want to say broken, it's siloed. 
And then how do we bring that data together with reporting tools, whether it's BI or Power BI, Tableau, Salesforce, et cetera. That's awesome. I mean, you're, you, you just hit on almost all the aspects of a transformation journey, thinking through, you know, what's the, what's the patient journey that they're going through that you have to support, you know, recognizing that you're working with multiple systems. So finding, you know, what's the data warehousing approach to bring all of this data together, um, looking at that data in terms of, you know, what types of problems and questions you can throw at it. Uh, that will improve your operations and improve safety of your of your patients, um, and then even looking at you know next generation devices, voice uh, controls, and user experiences, and realizing that that can improve uh, things internally. You sort of got everything in there in one sentence. Christopher, as you're thinking through all of these pieces. Uh, how much of your efforts are spent towards these innovation activities versus the operational stability and just make maintenance? Yeah, so I'd say today it's it's 80-20. So I came into the organization about seven, eight months ago. We had a lot of a lot of work to do from a maintenance standpoint. Uh, I say modernization, and I'll say that modernization is always evolving. So modernization, when you talk about core systems, um, data center, uh, getting out of the data center on-prem solution, moving to Azure. Uh, when you talk about uh, PC refresh, lifecycle management, that's you know maintenance. Uh, you talk about um, networks, keeping networks up and running, putting an SD-WAN solution in place, uh, that's maintenance. So I would say today it's 80-20. We're trying to flip that to a 60-40 over time. But again, since we've just recently put in the project management office, the business relationship management, and then partnering with our partners across the business, whether it's innovation, whether it's data analytics, where we're going, you know, I think that has slowly changed. We've just recently set up uh, project management reviews where we bring in business leaders. Uh, our project management team takes on and, and then shares project updates. Where's the status, where we're at, what are the constraints, what are the challenges, can we get the projects done? So I think over time that, that will slowly change with what we're putting in place. It's also really typical. I'm wondering, are, are you at a point where you're putting KPIs in place? around going from 80-20 to 60-40, or we're still early and you're making directional you know, uh, value statements over what you're trying to do? I think metrics will come. We're not there yet to, to, to measure that. I can tell you that there's been high success around what we are doing. The business is bought in. The, the business is appreciative of the direction we're heading with the PM. Uh, the PMO office, we think that the, the IT PMO office will eventually grow to an enterprise PMO because it's not just IT projects but we need to correlate all the different initiatives and bring those into a strategy overall uh, outside of just IT. Yeah, and I actually think that's one of the issues PMOs had in the past is that when their visibility was really looking at things from only an IT perspective. So there was, you know, the IT part of the project and then there was everything else that was the end-to-end to to make that project successful. And the PMO only had visibility and authority in that IT part. And, you know, as you're doing more growth and experience and data-oriented projects, you really need to define and manage it from an end-to-end deliverable perspective. And so, 
you know, I think if you're going to do PMOs today, it's, it's, you have to have the buy-in at the executive level that IT is going to manage an enterprise PMO. It's going to start with the business idea. It's going to continue on through an iterative process to deliver. It's going to start measuring the impact of what you're delivering. Uh, it's going to decide when it makes sense to invest more or maybe, you know, diminish the investment and go after another idea. Um, and to have that dialogue with the executive group saying, we're doing this as a service to the business so that we're making the right investments um, at the right levels and, and measuring their outcomes. What, what are the, the challenges and the opportunities of having that senior level conversation? And how do you get the top management in the organization to buy into IT as being more than than just a a technology function. Yeah, so so the you're always going to have the approach of when when bringing the project manager office together is there's going to be conflict. I, I say conflict resolution, right? Everybody wants to be first. Everybody wants to have the top priority. And so what I'm what I'm trying to embrace here is IT cannot be the group who sets the priority of of the business projects. So how, how does IT step back? However, be the conduit of of the bridge to get these projects done and so with the business setting direction setting priorities it they can go execute and deliver on the requirements that are there so it's a real partnership i mean that that gets back to what you were saying earlier so it can't take the lead on what the business wants from it and yet it has to be lockstep with the business in terms of understanding those priorities and also understanding the the underlying reasons why you know, Michael, I think part of this is getting a firm understanding of your executive group. You know, executive groups operate differently. They have different cultures and values, you know, um, how fast they want to go and what they want and what they're surprised that IT is doing is very different. Um, in, in one organization that I was CIO in, I actually had to rebrand IT um, and call it a digital organization so that people across the, 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 the organization looked at us differently and had different expectations uh, of us and allowed us to do things that maybe IT, you know, wasn't, it wasn't expected of IT and people didn't want to work with IT in that way. So I think, you know, very much, you know, we talk about CIO strategy, part of the strategy is really understanding the temperament of the executive group and finding the right way to position things that you know that the enterprise needs, uh, but may never have thought about who's responsible for it, why it's important, how to orchestrate it across the board. Well, I think the, you know, I think you're absolutely right. I think the other piece is also giving IT a voice, right? So, so at at the level uh, of the executive team, often IT is thought of down in the basement on the first floor. They're just keeping systems running. I think here at Signature. We're starting to change that that visual of, of what IT is from just keeping the lights on to being part of the direction forward. In the past, we were order takers. We're trying to move from that order taker reactive mode to become part of the business and, and, and consultative, provide solutions as we move forward, more proactive than reactive. What do you have to do inside your IT organization to change this focus in terms of talent management, training, whatever it, mindset, culture, whatever else it might be? Yeah, so I was very fortunate to join an IT team who who had great knowledge of the business here, um, and, and I'd say the IT technical staff um, very well versed in, in the technologies that we have and that we support. Uh, 
their eagerness to change. When I brought in the change of the structure of the organization, each and every one of them were flexible and, and they wanted to go that path because they knew that it was going to stretch them as well as they're going to learn new things. We're not, we're not at the end point yet. However, through this transition and change, I have not had any of the team members raise a hand and say, I don't want to be a part of this. I think they're all encouraged by it, but the change the change is difficult because it's something new, right? It's going to take some time to get to, but I would say that, you know, we're executing and delivering on what, what we're set out to do. Christopher, as we finish up, we haven't yet touched on security. So uh, what about security in healthcare? How do you, how do you address that? It's, it's vital. I mean, it's required. At the end of the day, uh, patient information, patient data with HIPAA, PHI, even, you know, PCI to some extent with credit cards and, and data, uh, going across our network, we have to we have to know where it's at at all times. We have to know who has access to it at all times, both internal and external. Um, you know, and, and there lies the challenge with with security. It's always changing. It's never constant. Threats uh, are always going to be there, so you always have to put a defense plan, electrify the fence, uh, putting putting up that plan to how are you going to mitigate or prevent against it. Chris, I'm I'm wondering, is this a conversation that's happening with your executive committee or with your board? Um, do they want to know what security threats you've been experiencing? Do they want to know what the security plan is? Or is this just something that the, you know, that's the blue wire and they expect you to be doing, but it's not something they discuss or review with you? No, it's a have to. And I think it's going to continue to elevate here's signature. Um, I have a counterpart up here, uh, Vice President of Compliance, and, and she and I both work together through these initiatives as well as legal, right? So we've got to uh, make sure that we've got our team set up for success. We are adding a, uh, here in the next two weeks, we're adding a security manager within our team. That security manager will have a dotted line, uh, kind of the hub and spoke across the organization, compliance, legal, as well as within IT, across infrastructure, across application development, uh, and all systems within. So that individual will play a key role uh, on positioning um, positioning uh, security and how, how we prevent against it and how we, how we best uh, attack it. As we finish up, I want to ask uh, ask you both, what advice do you have for CIOs who want to accelerate this process of aligning with the business, of being responsive and gaining, ensuring that the business is lock, that IT is lockstep with the business? Um, Chris, you want to go first? Sure. I think, I think first and foremost, it starts with your team, right? How you structure, how you empower, how you lead your team. The, the CIO cannot do it all, obviously. But how do you put key individuals in key roles who can have those conversations in your absence or on your behalf? Because you can't attend every meeting. You can't attend every hallway conversation or shoulder tap that's happening. So you got to make sure that your, your team is set up for success, also aligned on the strategy. It doesn't do any good for, you, for IT to have its strategy. And then staff members or, or team members uh, don't know how to convey that or communicate it out, outward. I think number two is CIOs, you got to make yourself sometime, I think, uncomfortable. Take on new new projects that are not in your comfort zone. Get involved with peers across the business to lead initiatives or areas that you're not um, uh, an expert in and then get stretched that way as well. I think that, you know, becoming more aware of where the business is and where it's going is, is key. And Isaac, I will ask you the the same question. What advice do you have for CIOs? Who want to ensure that they're lockstep with the business at the be when projects are defined and so on. 
Yeah, I you know, there's still studies that have come out this year that say that CIOs, you know, only 40 to 50% of them are leading transformation programs in their businesses. Um, and I'm appalled by that number. I'm, I'm scared for our role in organizations and how it's perceived with our peers. And, and so, you know, if, if, you're, if you're not thinking about your job completely different than what you were doing three years ago, in terms of how you're spending your time, uh, in terms of your focus area and what you're delegating, uh, tremendous amount of time building relationships, one-on-one, one-on-two meetings with the executive group, with their direct reports, you know, cultivating a process of learning from people who are, are facing customers. If you're not doing those things today, you're gonna be really falling behind in your job and your role in what, you know, what's expected of you. And I think that, you know, really thinking through how you're spending your time um, is the first step to making a transformation there. Okay. Well, that has been a very educational 45 minutes and very fast 45 minutes. I want to thank our awesome guests today on episode number 304 of CXO Talk. Christopher Hauser is the Chief Information Officer at Signature Healthcare. And Christopher, thank you again for being here, and I hope you'll come back another time. Thanks for having me, Michael. Look forward to it. And Isaac Sakolik is the author of the book Driving Digital, which is a manual for CIOs and for CIO strategy. And Isaac, thank you for coming back to CXO Talk. Thanks for having me again, Michael. Always a great conversation uh, here on CXO Talk. And, uh, you know, if there's anybody on the Twitter chat that's asked questions, I'll be checking it afterward to see if I can help out. Okay. And uh, everybody, go to CXOTalk.com. You can see our upcoming shows. We have great shows coming up. And please, please, please subscribe on YouTube and do that now. And would you also share... CXO Talk with a colleague. Thanks so much, everybody, and I hope you have a great day. Bye-bye.